Talk Shop fans. It's Helen O'Brien, host of Talk Shop Podcast. This podcast highlights various career paths and jobs where you necessarily do not need a four-year college degree, where a college degree is not a requirement to uh, apply for a position. Talking shop with me today on episode 11 is Vanessa. She is a vet tech. Let's jump in and talk shop with Vanessa. Hello, Vanessa. Thanks for joining us today on Talk Shop. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so, Vanessa, you are currently a veterinarian tech or veterinary tech, also known as a vet tech. Mm-hmm. And you recently became one. Tell us a little bit about what a vet tech does. I mean, I know I have a dog and I take it to the vet. Um, what exactly are you doing? And I know that you're working at a couple of different um, clinics too. As well. So like, what's your regular day like? What do you do? Um, I normally would be helping with any of the doctor's uh, requests for treatments. Um, so that could be anywhere from doing blood draws to um, actually helping out with surgeries and anesthetic procedures. Um, then we could also literally be house cleaning. Um, so just maintaining the hospital, keeping sure that everything is in stock. Um, and also being the janitor for our pets who leave lovely presents um, because they're right. either scared or they're just puppies and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. so, yeah, any, any range of that. Um, we have a, a running joke in our field that um, anything you do in human medicine, we are combined in one tiny little person, um, all done in one hospital. So. Right. Okay. So you didn't start out being going straight out of high school into being a vet tech. Um, what happened after high school? So I ended up going uh, to college at Cal State Monterey um, with a degree in marine science. So I was very much into ocean life and doing research um, for basically anything related to climate change and how animals are adapting in the oceans because it's the number one um, carbon dioxide um, dump, basically, or reserve. Um, so just making sure that like we're able to adapt those um, for future generations is what my concern was. And then I guess in my last year or two, I ended up adopting two very adorable rabbits. Um, okay. I <laughs> fell in love with the care and the attention that these people had um, putting into the animal's care and well-being um, that I decided to uh, volunteer at my rabbit's uh, clinic. And also I helped a lot with uh, the SBCA of Monterey County as well. And I came back and decided, you know what, maybe this is a, a another career for me um, since I also did not have the financial means to go uh, get a master's in marine science. Mm -hmm. um, so it was an easy way for me to hopefully, hopefully segue back into um, working with marine life again. So yeah. <laughs> right. So you, um, you graduated um, with a degree and then you said, okay, what am I going to do now? Because I'm not I'm not, um, I'm not going to go to grad school right now mm -hmm. and I need to figure out what I'm going to do in the interim to, um, kind of keep my interests going, make a living 
mm-hmm. and still um, maybe save a little bit of money and try um, to go to grad school later. So you, how did you decide on being a vet tech? I think it was the similarities that um, the vet tech, vet tech had um, versus what a lab technician had um, in my field. Um, there, there's only the disconnect of the lab technician that I was in previously for marine science. Uh, and my understanding was it was nine, like probably 50% being outside collecting uh, the data. And then also the other 50% was being inside. Um, and I guess doing all of the, the dirty work of having to actually do the experiment um, or assist the uh, research uh, scientists to do the um, experiment and I didn't really enjoy the 50% of being inside all the time um, because there was so much analytics and um, learning new things that I obviously wasn't interested in anymore Um, so being able to do the I guess applicational science um, in veterinary medicine where Basically, your office is anywhere an animal is. So that's why I decided if I even have the basic of just being a veterinary technician, I can follow any veterinarian who could be doing research in a multitude of um, subjects um, and help them with the research that's needed for companion animals or wildlife or um, domesticated farm animals as well. So yeah. That's what I was like, oh, I have more outlets um, to focus on versus in my small little niche of just the big, big ocean. Right, right. And people, you have to kind of do your research to figure Mm -hmm. out, sometimes you think you're really limited and you're not at all. Um, There's a lot out there. So that's good that you found something for you. Um, so, so what did you do? You, did you, you went to community college to get your vet tech? How does, or no? Yeah, yeah, I did. So um, I decided to go to Foothill College. Um, They have a veterinary technician uh, or veterinary technology program. Um, It's very similar. Uh, It's a two-year program where it's basically a crash course of how you become a veterinary technician. Um, So we learned anything from animal anatomy and physiology and terminology um, all the way to the most advanced um, diagnostics. So we'll be doing radiology, dentistry, um, and basically surgery. Surgeries, uh, anesthesia was our capstone um, or our final um, semester where everything we learned was basically dumped into that one class. And it was at that point like life or death because now you're putting a patient under. Um, sure. Right. And a patient being an animal, four-legged beast or whatever. So when you said Foothill College, I just want to, that's a community college. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, many community colleges across the United States offer the vet tech certification and it's two years. Yeah. So it could either be a two-year program at a community college or it could be a four-year program, um, which you would actually end up with a specialty um, at the end of the four-year program. So I know um, many of the veterinary doctorate programs also have um, a veterinary technician program as well, like Purdue University has one um, that's very well known. Oh, okay. 
That's good to know. So um, we talked about, you know, what sparked your interest. And so you've been, so is, once you got, when you were done with Foothill, and so is that, was that four semesters when you say two yeah. years? It was actually a quarter based. Um, oh, okay. Foothill is based on quarters. And so I did, I believe, seven quarters because we actually had one over the summer before we started the program. Gotcha. Um, to actually just introduce um, like a student to what we will be learning for the next two years. Right. Um, and <laughs> it was fast <laughs> because it's a quarter system and also there's just so much material um necessary to learn um it's not like being in a human nursing program where you have the four years and then you'll end up going taking a master's in nursing um all that time spent is very very limited um for a veterinary technician because we're not only learning about one species, we're learning about uh, multiple, all of them, um, basically. Yeah. And so I think for my programs, they've been very nice. Um, they limited to only six, um, that kind of um, overlaps into multiple species. <laughs> so, yeah. The most, co the more common ones. More common, like dog, cats, cows, um, horses, and then a couple like birds and reptiles, and that's pretty much like all and, of that. And was bunny rabbits in there too? Bunny rabbits was in there. We did have a course for a uh, lab animal, so yeah, that was part of it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the the when you get your certif certification, does the, did the school help you at all, like trying to find um, a position somewhere or were you on your own? How did that work? Yeah, so we actually have a clinical internship integrated into the program. So um, about, I think actually our third semester uh, or third quarter, sorry, into the program, we uh, had an internship coordinator or one of our teachers uh, was actually helping us find hospitals and clinics and shelters um, to actually apply the skills that we were learning in school. Um, thankfully for me, I actually had been in the field prior to working in, uh, or prior to going to school. So I didn't have the trouble of finding a new hospital um, or working at the one that I was already at. Um, but other people, they have gone through the internship coordinator or a teacher uh, to find places that was most suitable for them. And they had the choice of whether they wanted to stay at that internship site or hospital um, for those three months um, and continue going to those um, every quarter until they graduated, or they could switch around to different internship sites. Um, it depended on the student's um, experience and comfortability. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm sure it's fairly easy to pick up a vet veterinary vet tech position. Going back to the um the community college, I just another thing I want to point out about community colleges and cert certifications is that it's so much cheaper than going the four year route. Sure. Yes, definitely. Right. It's community college is um it's fairly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that's kind of, if you're really not sure what you're wanting to do, you know, definitely try that out. And they have so many different 
um, programs and certifications that um, might fit what you know you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So um, with your job, so what what kind of hours are you working these days? Um, I'm more of a crazy person. Um, I'm <laughs> um, I actually work four tens uh, for today's uh, 10 hour shifts at one hospital. And then I also work at a different hospital, um, which has various hours ranging from eight to 12, 13 hours a day. Um, Just because they're so different. I, my full-time job is at a dog and cat clinic and my, my uh, extra hobby (laughs) per se is in an exotics clinic. So yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You're in an exotics clinic. Wow. So that's exotic birds, birds, reptiles. Um, we have doctor. We have a doctor that sees pocket pets. So you see the rabbits, the guinea pigs, the hamsters, and such. Yeah. Okay. Oh, jeez. So, um, so you. Know, I was reading Vanessa about vet techs and the job outlook. Do you know what the job outlook is for the next ten years? Oh, it's progressing. It's gradually getting bigger and bigger. It's really high. It's 16% job growth for vet techs. That's really big. If this is something that someone was interested in, there definitely would be a job out there at the end of the two years. Definitely. Um, there, um, even now, like our clinic, we're openly um, looking for people um, to help out because we need the hands, <laughs> um, especially during now the pandemic. Um, people are adopting and buying more animals um, into their family. And so we have more patients. We have a bigger caseload than we've ever had um, in previous years. So yeah, we're definitely, anyone looking for a job with animals, a hospital clinic is more than willing to take another person in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like you said, with the pandemic, I mean, I, I got a new puppy. So yeah, and I'm not alone. I mean, every other person is getting a, a dog, a cat, mm-hmm. right? Someone to keep them company while they're at home. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's really important. So, um, tell me, um, what do people say to you like when you say you're a vet tech? Do they? What's the response like? oh, you know, what are you doing that for? Or um, how'd you get into that? What, like, what do you say? Just, is there any kind of stereotypes or anything about being a vet tech? Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely the number one question that I usually get is, so you're going to be a vet someday. And I'm like, <laughs> no, um, you wouldn't ask a human nurse if they're going to be a doctor. Um, Very so, good point. Yeah, it's something similar like that. It's not like my profession now as being a veterinary technician is not a stepping stone to becoming a doctor um, by no means. We actually do most of the dirty work that the doctors don't have time to do. Um, So without us, there will be no doctor. (laughs) Um, So no, uh, I'm not going to be a vet. I wanted to become a vet. Um, That was actually one of my options um, if I had the means to. but then I was really scared of performing surgeries. <laughs> the idea of performing surgeries and keeping a patient alive was not in my interest at all anymore. Um, but that was that was the number one thing. Another one was, um, what is a vet tech? <laughs> what what do you do? Um, and so I explained to them, like I explained earlier um, during this podcast, um, we were basically just like any human nurses. We do everything in one. 
um, but we're not allowed to be called nurses um, due to um, like um, employment title rights. Okay. Um, so we stick as veterinary technicians and that's, that's what, what we are. Right. You're an animal nurse. I am an animal nurse, but yeah. I can't call the nurse. <laughs> what do you find the most challenging at your, at your job? Other than picking up, you know, dog poop. That's the other question of why you're in the field. It's you always have to deal with animals dying all the time and you have to put them down. And euthanasia is a very common question that we get asked um, when we're interviewing. Um, so euthanasia obviously means good death. Right. So we give um, to our animals so that they're no longer suffering, um, which is not something that we have in human medicine um, that's widely accepted. Um, so it's really difficult when you break that, what we call human-animal bond, um, that special like invisible connection that you have with your animals, that you spent all that time, effort, and love and care into them kind of disconnects when they pass. So that's very difficult. Everyone grieves differently. Um, and this was something that I spoke with one of my fellow coworkers and she was like, yeah, it's definitely the hardest thing that we have to deal with because we might be there for that five minutes that they were just presented to us or we've been there the entire life and we now have to be with the owner um, to end this beautiful life. And so that's very difficult um, for all of us. Um, it's not like, yeah, it's not like we just want to do it and we don't think about it after. No, it actually affects us and it leads into probably something we'll talk about later called compassion fatigue. Um, so yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about compassion fatigue now? Uh, sure. Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, so I guess the, the layman's term of compassion fatigue is the time and energy that a loving person gives and gives and gives and never receives anything back. Um, mm -hmm. It's very, very difficult in the medical field because um, you don't know where their life is going to be in the next sure. minute, in the next five minutes, hour, um, or whenever time comes. Um, so it's very, very difficult. Um, and people end up leaving the field, not only because of burnout from um, the job itself, but also just, you don't, some people just don't have any more that you could give to life. Um, so it's really difficult, <laughs> very, very difficult. Right, yeah, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. So euthanasias, do you, are you doing a lot of them during the week? And is it the doctor that administers the? Yeah. The, yeah, okay. so the doctor administers um, the, the barbiturate, basically. It's an overdose of barbiturates. Um, and they get the call whether or not the patient needs to be um, or should be euthanized um, with the owner's permission. Okay. Um, typically, for my clinics, we, we wouldn't be the ones um, really involved in it more so. Uh, we'll probably place the catheter so that um, so that the injection could go more smoothly because it's, um, it goes through a vein, um, and straight to the heart, um, essentially. Um, so we would do that and then we would then process the animals for a cremation, um, or bringing it back to the owner so they could bury it at home. 
um, that's we're pretty much the background of it, but majority of the time the doctor will be the one actually performing it. Okay. Okay. Uh, tell me, um, in the case of like spay and neuter, is that is is that something that you're in on too? I would assume so. Oh yeah. And so we would be the one monitoring for anesthesia. So we'll be the one keeping, making sure the patient is asleep, well managed under pain um, for the doctor to actually perform the surgery. So uh, spay and neuters are very, very important. And so we actually do them quite often, um, more so in shelter medicine as well. They're actually relatively quick procedures um, and it's, it has a lot of um, benefits as well. So for the animal later on in life, not having reproductive issues, hormonal imbalances, um, which lead to behavioral problems and stuff, so yeah. Right, okay. What do you think is the most rewarding part of your job? I know you had said before, like just working with the really sick patients, mm -hmm. and is it seeing them get well and? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like those cases where you've had a hands-on um, from when they're literally almost at death's door or close to mm -hmm. and progressing day by day and getting better is the most rewarding thing because you it's very difficult when our patients only live like mm, at most like 15 years or so max like thinking about a cat and stuff um, who can live up to 16 years, seeing them get better in that short period of time just for a brief moment so that they could be normal and happy again is so, so rewarding. Um, mm. And I guess it's also not everyone gets to see it. I know a veterinary technician who's actually um, um, a technician for a bigger company, and she said she's never had a chance to hold a puppy or a kitten. Oh um, my goodness! Her entire career because of um, her position, uh, she works for a um, a food company, and so she doesn't get that interaction. But she still can be a veterinary technician. So the, you know, the the chances of you holding a baby animal is also the sweetest thing ever. <laughs> it is. It is very sweet. Mm -hmm. a kitten or a puppy and a, a baby rabbit oh my um, <laughs> so sweet isn't it and mm -hmm. it's very calming yeah it kind of brings you back down into from that you know stressed out yeah. and I can see why so many people are getting pets during this pandemic mm -hmm. because a lot of people are stressed out and yeah. it, it is it's very calming it's a lot of work having a pet like a little bundle of joy in the middle of the day. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, I bet. Okay, so if you if someone were to come to you and say, tell me three things that you think are qualities needed to be successful as a vet tech, what would you say? Um, confidence is one. Um, I actually am not a very confident person. I am very much an introvert and you can put me in a corner and I'll be totally fine. Um, so confidence is one thing that I had to learn really fast. Um, because you're an introvert. I'm very impressed that you're doing a podcast. I, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> my, my coworkers were like, good luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> goal for you. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, confidence is definitely one of them because animals have that sixth sense where they, they have that feeling of if you're not 100%, 
then I'm just going to go away. Like, I'm not going to listen to anything you say. Um, So that was something that I had to learn really fast of like, no, you're going to do it and you're going to do it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it was really helpful having coworkers being like, Vanessa, just stop it. (laughs) Um, So confidence is definitely one of them. Um, Being independent or self-sufficient is another. There are times in the hospital where there's literally nothing going on. Um, So being able to find those little projects to maintain the hospital or um, finding new ways to make things more efficient um, is also really helpful. Um, And it's actually, people notice, um, people notice when you do those things uh, for the hospital. When you go Um, the extra mile or I'm going to clean out this, you know, closet Mm -hmm. or I'm going to go through these medicines and make sure that none of them have expired or I'm going to go sweep the the front of the front door. Yeah. Because we're literally full of people do notice those things. And, and when they notice those things, then they tend to say, Oh, wow, Vanessa can handle this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give her this today. It's, Mm -hmm. this is something a little bit more that she's not used to, but I I think she's ready to do this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Definitely after being more confident and doing more things um, over and over again, have actually my doctors have noticed the shift that I've had being a very insecure little person um, and being more confident. They're actually asking me to do more things. Um, oh, great. And so, yeah, it's definitely paid off. Um, so yeah, I definitely, those two things for sure. And actually work, the last one would be working under pressure um, because you're dealing with a life. You have to constantly know how to prioritize things, um, especially if you're working in like an emergency situation or an emergency clinic. Um, making sure they're breathing <laughs> is one. Um, so oxygen keeps us alive, obviously. Okay, that's important. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then also making sure that the heart keeps going. Um, so those are our number two, one things. We actually have an upside down triangle um, of the steps and the organ systems that we need to keep alive at all times. Um, so being able to do all those things and doing the treatments, making sure that you're constantly and like checking up on the patients after, um, and then bringing that, all that information to the doctors so they can make a decision whether or not we need to do more or less, um, is something that we all constantly are thinking of. Right. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to work under pressure. I mean, it's some days it's easier than others, right? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. And and you are dealing with life and death. Yeah. It's not a human, but <laughs> to a lot of people, their pets are humans. Yeah, so, exactly. They're family member. Family uh, members. Yeah. Regardless of whether they live inside with you or they live outside, they're in your life and that means something to you. Um, so yeah, we always keep that into consideration as well. Yeah, right. I would almost say like a fourth quality would be compassion. Mm. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You need to have some compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is definitely, um, it's not a cut cut and dry type of job. You really need to be able to, it's, you have to put a lot of heart into it. Mm -hmm. Um, so the right, for the right person, it's, it's a really great career. We don't get paid very much to be a veterinary technician. Um, we like, I'm, it's a very skilled job and 
rightly, rightly, rightfully so. But we're, again, like I said in like my answers of, of the questions that you sent me, we're at the bottom of the medical field. Anything that trickles down from the human world will eventually come down to us. Um, so right. it's like, yeah, I'm just here getting paid like, I don't know. I was getting paid barely over minimum wage um, when I was assistant. And now I'm, since I'm getting closer to being a technician, um, given I have the education for it now, um, I've jumped that since then. But for sure, it's not like, uh, wee, I have a lot of money. <laughs> you're not going out and buying a house or anything anytime soon. I mean, you're living at home and yeah, yeah it's, but th these are things that are important, but you ha it's, this is a job where if this is something that you are passionate about, mm -hmm. that you love animals and that I'm getting that from you, I can see it. Um, this could be a good route for you. And maybe if you're living in a, in a different part of the country, this would be a little bit more sustainable. Um, I would say yes and no. Um, because again, it comes down to how your clients and how the community views an animal as well. Um, like here in the Bay Area, we're very much like, oh, our animals are our family members. Um, but I've also had other people from across the state um, or even across the country who don't live in, I know, per se, the most expensive cities. Um, and their, their animals live outside. They just provide what they basically need to survive and that's basically it. Um, so veterinary medicine in rural areas or um, is not up to par to the level of medicine that we have here. Okay. So it really, I, yes, yes and no. That's where I stand. Um, you can get paid more here because obviously the clients are more willing to pay right. to save for animals here versus if you're in a rural area, it's, well, I can't feed them. They won't do anything. I have no benefits from them anymore. And so it's very easy to put them down then um, and you won't get paid as much. Right. Yep. <laughs> so would you say this is something that someone who's looking at being a vet tech, this is something that they would need to be really passionate about. Yeah, they have to definitely, the lifespan of a veterinary technician or anyone in the veterinary field is about five years. Um, the lifespan? What do you mean? Like the career span, sorry. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, you're looking at someone who will stay in the field for five years at most and people who surpass that, you're like a unicorn. <laughs> um, and I'm already at my third year, but I'm fairly young. Um, so I still have a lot of space to grow versus um, a couple of my classmates who this is basically their second career. Um, that probably won't. It's all. It's a lot of wear and tear. Like I mentioned in my, um, in my answer is that this is a fairly physically and mentally demanding job um, and you're either going to break down because you injured yourself physically or you're just going to go down this rabbit hole of compassion fatigue and burnout <laughs> right because there's constantly people asking you questions over and over again and then 
um, like owner non-compliance is also something that we write in the records where basically we're telling the, the owners the best course of treatment that they could possibly give their animals for whatever reasons that they're sick or um, their behaviors and whatnot and they don't see it uh, the same way that we do. Sure. Um, so th there's the, that disconnect as oh, well. I'm sure. We're right. talking through the human that owns the animal versus talking to the animals themselves, which is something I wish we could do. Um, just be like, why are you sick? Please tell us why and so we can fix you. And that's mm -hmm. very different from human medicine where your patient can tell you what's wrong. <laughs> right. So um, you had talked about um, before we before this podcast, I know you had said that um, a vet tech specialization that is another option for you down the road. It's like a next step. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So just like in human medicine, there are specializations um, like internal medicine or oncology, neurology, any of those sorts. Um, it's just very similar to animals. We also have the same thing. Um, so I've actually worked with exotics. Um, companion animals is one specialty. Um, the clinic that I'm doing, Dogs and Cat, is um, their practice manager actually does internal medicine. And I've also worked in an ophthalmology or vision for animals um, as well as a specialty. And so um, actually it's really funny because people say, oh, so you can be a vet. No, I'll be a specialist. Um, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be a veterinary technician that specializes in something. And um, being a specialist, in as a vet tech is very like you're like literally probably a step lower than a doctor right okay and of a normal general technician um your thoughts and your um your experience is worth much more than anyone else's because you know what you're talking about um so yeah definitely so almost like a nurse practitioner Exactly. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Mm -hmm. okay. And we, it's, it's so funny because I know for nurse practitioners, they're, they're usually working with like one department. It's very similar for a veterinary technician specialist um, where we're working in a sub department um, and we can do so much. There's actually, I believe 12 or 13 specialty academies. Um, wow. yeah, um, where we can specialize in different, um, aspects of veterinary medicine. And so those outlets themselves is another branch to moving on in your career. Um, yeah. So do you go back to school for that or is it like a special, you know, three day weekend thing or no, this is, it depends on the academy itself. Um, it's, it's under the National Association of Veterinary Technicians. Um, and you have, every academy has a different, um, different requirement to actually apply for um, mentorship. This is the only part you get a mentorship really, um, or doctors or the vets, you get a residency um, or an externship. Um, so for example, like the exotics um, companion animal, which is what I'm most interested in right now to get in, um, it's a five years of experience or 100,000 hours, logged hours with case studies 
and there is a special skills list that we have to go through. Um, yeah. Okay. We can, and then like letters of recommendations and whatnot sure. um, before we can actually apply uh, for mentorship. And then after that, once we are approved um, by a secondary member in the community, in the community that is also in the specialty then we apply for uh, the board exam and so we have then uh, another expensive three letters <laughs> to our name sure. <laughs> i would imagine the um the specialization for you i mean getting into it would be fairly easy because you already know you're shaking your head because you're already working in the clinic yeah. doing some of this okay no it's not easy it's not necessarily easy because there's so many little components into it and that's where the mentorship comes in so that someone could actually walk you through it every single time i know one of my teachers in the program actually just got her vts um in physical rehab um for animals um so similar to like physical therapy in humans she does the same thing for animals oh, wow. um, Okay. So we have, um, and it took her ooh, probably, I want to say at least five, six years. Um, to really? get and that's including working in the field, in the hospital, logging sure. hours, working on the skills that she needs to actually take the test. Um, so yeah, it's a long process. <laughs> right. Right. And if you're working too at the same time, I can see why it would take so long. Yeah. It's because yeah. every case is different. Mm -hmm. And so you're not necessarily working towards whatever you're specializing. There's other cases in between that um, where it's just like, oh, it's just a general thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a lot to it. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's probably a good thing for all those animal lovers out there. Yeah, uh -huh. it's also a continuing like learning experience um, and education. So yeah. to actually keep your license, you're required to go through all of this extra online learning or I guess online learning now because we can't see each other in person, but there's also labs and um, in-person like um, conferences that you can go to as well. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, like in any, in any line of work too, because I mean, even teachers have to have continuing ed credits. They have to complete um, all lines of work. You know, there's constantly, you know, a seminar or something that you need to go to. And uh, things are changing all the time with technology and just um, how things are run is mm -hmm. um, it's changing all the time. So, well, that's it. So now, so you're trying to log in some hours now, right? Yeah for the vet tech specialists and um and then hopefully in however many years maybe another five years or so you can go and take this test yeah. and um i'm sure you'll pass these you. you're you're a smart cookie <laughs> so tell me a little bit about um you know your work like not what you're doing but your benefits like I'm assuming you get medical dental. Um, and I know that you had kind of talked about um, beforehand the, the difference between a family owned business. So family owned um, veterinary 
a hospital or clinic versus mm -hmm. more of a corporate one. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, so it also depends on which level um, that you're working in. So like if you're working for the federal or the state, um, it's obviously applied to whatever um, your position has for federal or state. Um, I worked in a corporation um, hospital, two of them actually. Their benefits are much more widely spread out um, and there's different plans that you can go under. More robust. Yeah. yeah, more robust, more, more things to give out because they have the financial means since they actually are running a bigger organization, I guess. Um, so I know for my past two corporate hospitals, I've had health benefits, which I actually never used because I was part-time. Uh, health benefits, um, including eye and dental care. Um, we have um, PTO or paid time off. Um, and sick days as well, continuing education credits um, or just general knowledge of them. I know one of my hospitals was a specialty, so they actually had weekly to monthly and quarterly um, seminars that we could attend to as well. Um, and then also there was like gym membership and like like all of these goodies that you would get and raises sure. and whatnot when you reach a certain milestone and stuff. Um, and which is very different from a small, small family clinic um, because we don't have that financial mean. Sure. Uh, just allow everyone to use all those benefits. Um, it's more of just the basic general um, what you need to survive. Uh, so like the health benefits and the paid time off and all of those things, yeah. Okay. Well, with the larger, like a corporate, they have more people to cover too. And so these insurance carriers, the more people you have, they get excited and they can offer you all these different plans and your rates might be a little cheaper because there's, it's a larger experience group. Um, yeah. But no matter where you go, you're definitely covered with uh, a benefit yeah. plan. Right. benefits for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> uh, which is it would, more than great. It's mandatory. They have to do it. I have a question for you. So yeah. what would be your favorite animal to work with? And then what is the least favorite animal to work with? Oh, I can definitely tell you what my least favorite animal to work with. I am yes, scared of spiders. <laughs> spiders. Um, okay. So I will, uh, spiders and insects. Um, I actually have to handle like mealworms and roaches and um, beetles and stuff um, for our insectivores, um, like the lizards and turtles and whatnot. Oh, sure. Them. Okay. Uh, so I have to handle them. Those are fine. Spiders. Ooh, I have one doctor that I work with. Um, he loves tarantulas and mm -hmm. so he's more than willing to see them if they ever come in to the hospital and he has a few at his house. Um, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Please get that arachnid out of the hospital. I will not touch that thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I know they're very beneficial. They keep the, the other insect populations under control, but uh, that is for outside world and not for- Yeah, you know, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, on the spiders, no thanks. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, my favorite animal to work with at the moment are actually birds. Um, oh. they're actually, they're so 
so intelligent, um, especially the the bigger birds when you get into the Amazons and macaws um, and the cockatoos. Um, they're so intelligent. It's like working with a mm, with a five year old at all times. Um, they're constantly trying to find little ways to annoy you, but at the same time, they're so smart that they learn what annoyed you and they'll keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a five-year-old. Yeah. Um, so that the birds are just so fascinating and the way that you have to handle them and the anesthesia component because they're so different um, from a mammal um, that yeah, definitely. And they're so beautiful to look at, but they just scream all the time. <laughs> so learning to tune that out is another story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised you said birds too, because I thought you were a big bunny lover. I am a big bunny lover. They're, they're fun. Pocket pets are very fun um, to own um, because they're just so soft. They're so soft and um, it's actually, they're prey animals, so they actually don't like to cuddle as much as people think. Like, like to think. Um, you have to really work with them. Like my rabbits, they're constantly jumping on my bed in the morning um, and sitting there until I wake up so I can feed them. Um, <laughs> so that's the only time they really want to cuddle, per se. I know other people have worked with their rabbits so much that, um, and usually it's a single rabbit. Um, with bonded to a human and they're constantly just right next to this person's side um, and never leaves like a clingy dog. Um, so I, I, there are, there are some um, guinea pigs. I actually have a coworker who asked me what's the best pet, like a small pocket pet for their six-year-old daughter. And I was like, guinea pigs. Um, they may poop with me a lot, um, but they're actually very comfortable being coddled and picked up and sitting in your lap and so guinea pigs are very good for little kids as long as they don't like pick them up and drop them or something <laughs> right, right right and yeah. and and guinea pigs are easy to handle for a six-year-old too yeah. smaller hands and yeah, yeah. and they're and not squirming it really depends like on your situation that's yeah that's number one thing that um whenever I don't know. People always ask me, like, if I know someone who's giving a dog away and I'm like, well, what's your lifestyle? What do you want from this dog? Like, what kind of environment do you have to provide um, for that animal? Um, all these questions come in play before I go, yeah, I do have something for you. Or I know someone who could tell you um, what you could get. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining today. This was really an enlightening experience on that tech uh, career path, and I had no idea about specialization. That's um, that's really interesting. It's another five or six years for you. Yep. Right. So um, thank you. And um, if any listeners have questions that about being a vet tech or maybe want to reach out to Vanessa you can um, contact me on my website at www.talkshoppodcast.com. And I can certainly um, reach out to Vanessa and either connect you or get your question answered. Thank you for listening to Talk Shop and for helping to spread the word about this podcast. You can follow Talk Shop on Facebook and Instagram 
And you can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor FM, and many other podcast platforms out there. Please send me comments, questions, and suggestions through my website at www.talkshoppodcast.com. And until next time, get out there and talk with someone because you never know who you will meet.